Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks so much for listening to the Talking Hoops podcast. My guests today are Andy Winters and Matt Winters. They're brothers, and Andy is the head basketball coach at Otterbein University in Westerville, Ohio. Matt is his top assistant. Both played high school basketball in the Columbus area, both played college basketball, and both spent time as assistant coaches in the Ohio Athletic Conference, of which Otterbein is a member. Now they just completed their first season together as the top assistant and the head coach leading the Otterbein program, and they've got a great story to tell. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy my conversation with Andy Winters and Matt Winters. Welcome to Talking Hoops Podcast. I'm Coach John Cook, and I am absolutely thrilled to have as my guest for this episode Andy Winters and Matt Winters. Uh, Andy is the head coach at Otterbein, and Matt is his brother and his lead assistant on the staff at Otterbein. A uh, member of the Ohio Athletic Conference Division Three basketball here in Ohio, just outside Columbus in Westerville. And um, I, I don't know, I, I've said to start nearly every podcast that the biggest reason I wanted to do this is I think there is power in other people's stories. And I think anybody who's chosen to go into coaching uh, likely has a fascinating journey that is on some level it's unique and and it certainly is unique uh i think to talk about the 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 eventuality when two guys start into a coaching career that brothers end up coaching together on the same staff and building a program particularly when it's two young guys um who, who grind away at it the way these two guys do i i feel fortunate to get to call matt and andy friends and uh, i think what they're doing at otterbein is really exciting and i'm looking forward to letting them talk about their story at Otterbein. Again, I appreciate those of you that are tuning in to listen and hope that you'll be able to stick with us for the next hour or so. So without wasting any more time, we'll bring in Andy and Matt. Andy, Matt, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Hey, John. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we want to try to keep this to an hour, so I'm going to jump right into it and I'll kind of alternate back and forth. Um, Andy, I'll start with you uh, to, to talk a little bit about Growing up where you did, your, your high school playing career, choosing to go to college, and, and maybe why you chose to go the route you did as a college player, uh, and then ultimately what led you and when did you decide that coaching is what you wanted to pursue? Hey, John, can you hear me? Yep, got gotcha. you. Okay, sorry, I was cutting in and out a little bit. Sorry, right. I, I missed the whole question. I apologize. I'll, I'll re-ask it. I said, if you wouldn't mind, just talk a little bit about your high school career, playing career, when you decided to go to college and play, and why you decided to go where you went, and then um, a little bit about when it was that you knew that you wanted to pursue coaching as a career. Yeah, so um, grew up in Columbus. You know, I've uh, been around Columbus my whole life. I went to Bishop Watterson High School, um, and um, you know, that play the Catholic Central League and, and in the CCL, you know, if, if, if you're scoring 35 points a game as a team, you know, that's pretty high scoring. So, um, you know, I le- learned a ton when I was at Watterson and, and didn't get uh, recruited very hard. Um, I was recruited by about two or three schools and, um, you know, an assistant coach at Watterson at the time um, played at Ohio Westland. His name was Casey Teeters. And he graduated and was helping out on staff. Um, and so, you know, I, I uh, through him and, and through Coach DeWitt coming uh, to an all-star game at, at the end of my senior year of high school, um, I felt like, you know, I, I'm from the area and I kind of wanted to stay close to home. And uh, it seemed like, like a good place, uh, how they played, how Ohio Wesson played, the, um, you know, vision that Coach DeWitt had talked about. 
um, and, and ended up going to Ohio Wesleyan. Um, and, it, you know, didn't know anything. Um, you, know, I, you know, what I tell recruits now is, is, you know, so much just learn going through the process and the experience. And so, you know, ended up at Ohio Wesleyan and it turned out to be great for me. I mean, it, it you know, it, it, it made me realize that I want to go into college coaching. Um, you know, get, getting to play and coach full time, and um, you know, and Matt can elaborate on this. You know, he he was teaching at the time, and I, and I was doing my student teaching. I was a history education major, getting ready to you know go high school and high school teacher coach. Um, and you know, I, I just I wanted to be around basketball as much as I could. Um, and so you know, my time at Ohio West and our team had some success, which always helps and it's fun. Uh, so. You know, I, I decided to give it a shot. Um, and, you know, towards the end of my playing days at Ohio Wesleyan, I, you know, had to make a choice, you know, like every kid. Do I want to try to, you know, travel the world and play for, you know, one year max and probably ride somebody's bench or, or do I want to get into coaching right away? And I got a great opportunity uh, to get into it at Ohio Dominican right away. So, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, great overall experience um especially being at ohio west and giving me a chance to figure out what i wanted to do for the rest of my life and ultimately you know where i am at otterbein right now well i mean clearly you played in a well-established high school program and um for our listeners that are real basketball junkies there there's no secret what's been going on at ohio wesley and the job that, that mike dewitt has done as the head coach there um and your experience at, at on the staff at ohio dominican um, that had to be a little different than anything you had experienced as a, as a, uh, high school player. And, and, and certainly a difference between there and division three. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, it, it was great for me because I, I was able to, cause, cause you're allowed to, you know, well, first of all, you know, Dan Evans was a first year coach coming in. Uh, he, he had just got the job. He's coming from Hillsdale, another division two school in the Goliath at the time. Um, and you know, I, I, Shot out of the dark, sent him an email, told him about myself. Um, and, and, you know, I, I didn't know much about Division Two. You know, Ohio Dominican was just going to Division Two. I had one there. My dad had one there. So I was familiar. I was really familiar with Columbus. Um, and he was able to give me an opportunity to recruit Columbus and, and my background and, and what I knew. Um, but but the biggest difference with a lot of that stuff is you get to work with your guys a lot year-round. You know, we were, we were able to do a lot of skill work in the fall. and. Um, from the division two level, um, you know, you're, 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 it depends what you're looking for, right? You know, there, there's a lot of schools that have lived off division one transfers, a lot of schools that have done it the traditional way of recruiting high school and, and, and growing a program. Uh, and so, you know, I was able to, I think, bring my experiences, at least being a player and, and being able to do skill work with guys and being young enough where I could, you know, jump in there and help, but also coach and, and recruit Columbus. Uh, was a big part of it, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a different level. That Gleex tough man. I'm telling you, our our first year coming in there, we <laughs> learned a lot in in, in a couple months. Uh, Division two is not a joke, so it was great experience for me. Well, I, I don't care who you are or where you coach. If it hasn't yet, it's about to humble you. That's what coaching does. I can tell you that. No, true. no question. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's the one thing about coaching is you know you love playing so much and coaching's the next next best thing and. Uh, you know, at, at times, you know, when, when you're coaching and you're young, you're like, man, I wish I could just jump out there and, and play. But, you know, how Dominican was a great experience. It was a, it was a blast, John. And, and I learned a ton, you know, being a, a 22 year old assistant coach at a Division two level. 
So Matt, your Matt, your journey into college coaching was a little bit different. If 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 you don't mind just sharing, I mean, you, you're a little older, so you'd gotten through college, and 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 I knew there was a reason I liked you guys. This whole history teacher thing's right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> I like teaching history so well that I did it for seven years. I haven't been in the classroom in eighteen, but <laughs> I'm still working in public education. So, uh, talk a little bit about maybe what you experienced ahead of Andy and and. You know, you attended Ohio, Ohio Dominican as a college student, but and when it was that maybe you you felt like college coaching was more what you would would rather do. Yeah. So just to kind of backtrack and give some context, Andy and I, I grew up around the game. So our dad was a successful high school coach at Bishop Watterson for many years. And like during my formative years between like age four and age eight, you know, I was his ball boy. I was at practice. I was in the locker room on the bus ride, you know, and just fell in love with the game. And I, I'm sure Andy can say the same same thing. Like we we grew up loving the game of basketball, and I always knew that I wanted to to coach ever since high school. So you know, kind of growing up and watching my dad and seeing the impact he had on on his players, like that's just something that I gravitated towards. And so high school again, it wasn't you know I was above average player. You know, we had a pretty good senior year and it was one shot away from heading to Columbus for the state final four. Uh, we lost in the regional final. But after the year, again, I was I was not recruited at all, but I still loved the game and wanted to be a part of a team. So I actually walked on at a high Dominican um, and had, like, again, the perfect mix of was too small to play in the post and slow to play on the wing so perfect mix to kind of ride the bench <laughs> you're forgetting unathletic yeah i mean there's all the combinations of things you don't want to be as a player that's why i was but i, I worked hard again I, I was a great teammate i thought and i just again i wanted to be part of the team so again any i dominican was an nai division two program at the time so we had a coaching change going into my senior year Artie taylor who was then the assistant at wittenberg Got the head job and kind of opened it up a little bit and played, you know, played a little bit faster and, and had more guys in the rotation. So my senior year was able to actually be a part of the rotation. And I think I led the conference in, in fouls per minute, but, <laughs> I had a, but, it, but it was meaningful and, I had, a, and again, I had a great experience. And so from there, again, I knew I wanted to be a coach, knew I wanted to be a teacher, kind of following my dad's footsteps. I ended up getting a high school position at Bishop Harley, which again, I was lucky because my dad was the principal at that time and still is, and was uh, kind of content on being just a high school coach, a high school teacher. And it wasn't until actually Andy started playing at Ohio Wesleyan, you know, I think it was a sophomore, his freshman year, where I just kind of fell in love with Division three and small college and wanted to kind of scratch that itch. I always kind of said, man, how great would that be if I could get to be you know, a small-time college coach? And so watching him play really, you know, was like, man, I really want to do this. And so I reached out to Coach Galoni, Bob Galoni, who was then the Denison head coach. He just retired after 18 years this past season. He had a part-time position that just opened. And I called him. You know, my dad was his assistant coach at Bishop Reedy High School for a couple of years. So I knew Coach Galoni, you know, good family friends, went to his summer camps. And you know, lucky, very fortunate to get that position um, to join his staff. And so from there, I was basically teaching at Hartley. 
and helping out at Denison. So taking that, you know, 40 minute commute up to Granville every day. And then that was when like, I kind of fell in love with it. I mean, coach Galoni, there's no better teacher, no better person Again, outside of my, you know, outside of my dad, he's had the biggest influence on me um, to get, you know, to get into coaching and, and the way he impacted kids. And so I did that for three years, learned a ton. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a crash course in the coaching. You kind of go into those situations thinking that, you know, you have all the answers and then, you know, you, your eyes are kind of wide open. Well, man, like this, I had a lot to learn. So from there, again, I've had you know, quite the coaching carousel. You know, from there, I, I was looking to get a full-time assistant position. Had a couple opportunities. Um, I shouldn't say opportunities, but I had a couple interviews at places that I didn't get. And so my third year at Denison, it wasn't until late July. And and I, I basically told, you know, I basically told Bishop Partley that I, I wanted to pursue this full-time. You know, I wanted to pursue coaching full-time. And didn't have a job going into that fall. So it was late July. I just heard back from, you know, a, a, a recent interview that I didn't get the job. And it was kind of like, man, I don't know where to turn. I didn't know if I was going to be in coaching anymore, what I was going to do. And Mike DeGeorge was the coach at Rhodes College at the time. He knew Dan Evans, who was then the high Dominican coach, and he was on staff. And so I knew Dan and Mike was saying, hey, listen, we got a second assistant the job open. It's basically full-time work, part-time pay. And I told Dan, hey, if you hear anything, you know, let me know. I'm looking to get into co- coaching full-time. And just kind of was very lucky to stumble upon the Rhodes position. I, you know, Mike reached out to me. Uh, we basically had a phone interview, and he hired me within that week. And so from that, you know, from that July, the, you know, then the next couple of weeks, I moved to Memphis um, and basically set up shop and uh, one of the a football's assistant uh, extended closet, and that's that's where I, I live. You know, it, it was it was not it was not it was not glorious whatsoever, but I made it work. And you know, from there, you know, the high northern position came open, um, uh, and again, Andy helped me tremendously with that. He was then the interim coach at Capital, and I know very fortunate that Coach Ben's been reached out, and, and and again, John, that's how we kind of connected. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, so you make the decision to jump full time into college coaching. Andy had kind of already decided that was the route he wanted to go. If you're both kind of looking for jobs and trying to settle on what you want, how do you feel like you were able to help one another during that time, whether it was actually helping the jobs or whether it was just maybe as an encourager or or in, in some way, how were you guys able to help each other through that time period? So Andy, Andy was just a huge, uh, kind of a huge sounding board and huge support. You know, he got the high Dominican position um, as I was still teaching and working at Denison. So to kind of hear from him, you know, about hey, you know, you know there could be certain jobs opening here and there. Like it, 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 for me, it was it was all about just you know, hey, what what's the best route to go? And there's a lot of times I called him, he kind of questioned me, is this. Like, I don't, I don't know if I should just get back in high school. You know, I, I really want to try to give this a go. But, you know, really, for me, it was just his support throughout that process. So, you know, John, John, I, I, I will say this, you know, watching Matt go through all of that and, and you know, trying to be a full-time teacher and, and coach at, at a small college level. I remember us having a conversation vividly about, you know, if, if you're going to do it, you got to do it full-time because, 
you know, going through all these interviews and doing all this stuff, a lot of coaches are, you know, they're saying, okay, well, you're a full-time teacher, but, but, you know, can you do the day-to-day stuff? And yeah, sure. Matt could do it, but, you know, I don't know if he ever, you know, had the opportunity just to say, yeah, I was full-time, you know, as a coach. Um, and, and how he was working harder than anybody else driving out to Denison and teaching, you know, most coaches are getting up at 10 o'clock. He's waking up at six and teaching, you know, five, six periods. And then they're, you know, on his way to Denison getting home late. So, um, but I remember that conversation vividly. And, and ever since then, every advice that I always talk to younger coaches is saying, Hey, if you're going to do this, you know, don't, don't wait, you know, don't wait till you're you know, Matt's age when, when he decided to do it, because it, it's, it's, you know, he, he's, he's had experience and, and I know he wouldn't change his path, but if you're 21, 22 years old, you're graduating college and you can live, you know, on, on nothing for, for a year or two, you know, you're able to get your foot in the door a little bit quicker. And, and I just remember that conversation. And, and ever since then, that's been the advice I've given because of Matt's story. Well, and, and I appreciate it. Cause I'll tell you what, I, and this podcast isn't about me, and I don't want to take up much time talking because I'd rather listen. But uh, when I came out of college after serving four years as a, as a student assistant or a manager and then finally getting to do some coaching my last year or two in the program there at Ohio Northern, uh, you know, Coach Campoli tried to talk to me about going to grad school and pursuing some graduate assistantships. And, and, and he was really honest. It's going to be highly competitive and it's not going to be easy. And, you know, I had my history degree and I jumped into a high school head coaching job right away, which I wouldn't trade because it was a great experience for me. But then I get down the road five or six years and I'm helping Guy Neal and my story and Matt's are pretty similar. I'm, I'm teaching at Ada. I'm driving 20, 25 minutes to Bluffton every day and, and trying to do the everyday grind of coaching really wasn't something that you could do at a, at a fully committed level if you were going to be any good as a teacher and, and, and try to do that. It, it was just really hard to do. And I wish I would have had somebody maybe push me a little harder in that direction because what you said about being 21, 22, 23, I mean, there there are some guys, and, and I've been through it now, where you know I get into my late 30s, into my 40s, and it's like, damn, I probably could have done this. This this college coaching thing would have worked well for me, but it becomes – you reach a point where it's not really an option. And so the, the gamble that it was to go into that I think is – is commendable, but obviously, you. I think you both would say you, you've got to be fortunate. You got to catch some breaks and and, and be fortunate with some of the, the way th- some of the things work out. Um, if I could, uh, Andy, talk a little bit about when when you're at Ohio Dominican and, and how it goes there, and how does that kind of lead you into the next step for you? Yeah, sure. So um, you know, going to Ohio Dominican, and Matt said it best. You know, you think you ought you know a lot more than you do until you got the coach and make a scouting report and being able to teach it. Um, and so learned a ton in, in one year, you know, we, we, um, you know, Dan wasn't able to bring in a recruiting class. So, so we were starting that year. We were starting, okay, here's what we're going to build around Columbus players. And so I got to make a lot of connections with Columbus AU teams. I got to reconnect with a lot of high school coaches. Um, and, and we struggled that year. I mean, we really did. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was good for me because, you know, I, as a coach, you know, one, yes, players are extremely important and that's the best, but, but how can you play to your team's strengths? And, and that was the first time that, you know, I was sitting in coaching meetings and, and we're constantly talking about how to develop and, and change and, 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 you know, influence and, and do all these different things, um, you know, out of how Dominican in the first year. So, so learned a ton from that. I was thrown into, I was doing scouting reports. I was doing player personnel, I was doing skill work. 
you know, I was recruiting. And, and, you know, that year we actually got to bring in a class that ended up going on and, and winning the conference tournament and getting into the NCAA. So that is something I'm proud of, you know, from my time at Ohio Dominican. And, and during that time I met Court Hamilton, who was – uh, who had actually left after, I think he was there about eight or nine months, he went into um, being a high school coach, uh, head coach um, at Hilliard Davidson, and now he's the athletic director um, at Hilliard Bradley. But Court connected me with Damon. Uh, Damon, Matt Croce had just went over to Wittenberg. Uh, he was Damon's assistant at Capitol. And Court um, you know, knew I was a Division three guy, and, and Damon called me and asked if you know I would have some interest in the job. Um, and... You know, it, it's one of those things where, John, I, I felt like, you know, I, I'm probably a Division three guy. You know, I just, that's all I knew. That's all I, you know, that's that's what I played. That's, you know, what, what I wanted to do. And, and, and I love Division two, and I think there's, you know, awesome success in it and, and, and different things. And I don't know where my path would have ended up had I stayed out of how to many But But Capital came along, a ton of success. You know, Damon's been very successful there. And, and he called me in August after I was the lead assistant by that time at Ohio Dominican. So I was the lead assistant in the GLIAC at, I think I was 23 and making a, you know, tough decision of, of whether I'm staying or if I'm going to go to Capital University and, you know, work in the OAC and coach with Damon. So um, ended up taking the Capital job in August. Um, and that's, you know, how I ended up court. Uh, court was able to connect us, you know, and discuss kind of pros and cons and, and what I wanted to do in my path and where, you know, I, I think I could be a head coach at. Um, and so ended up at Capitol and, um, you know, after our first year, so got hired in August, so weren't able to bring in a recruiting class by then, but got hired in August. We actually, the first year at Capitol, we went eight and 18. So, you know, I'm going from, you know, I think we won four or five games at Ohio Dominican and Gleag, you know, did my next season, we went eight and 18. I'm thinking, shit, John, maybe I'm not very good of a coach. I should find something else to do. So, um, you know, so so recruited our ass off. You know, we've worked really, really hard. We brought in a good class. We actually uh, just graduated, and, and that was, you know, the, uh, they won the OAC. That was my fifth year. They were seniors. They won the OAC. We had a couple thousand-point score, player of the year, All-American, and, and made the NCAA tournament. Um, but but that first year, you know, it, it, was, it was tough, and that leads into, you know, Coach Goodwin, you know, found out he had leukemia. Um, second year, I was 25, um, and he, he was done coaching for that year. And, you know, he, he wasn't sure what was going on as far as, you know, when he'd be back or, or you know, he, he had hairy cell leukemia, which had a great success rate, thank, thankfully, and, and he's doing well and his health is doing great. Um, and so, you know, going into this, I don't know if you want me to go into this very much, but, yeah, got got into interim head coaching Um at 25 years old and in my third season after having four or five wins and then an eight win season. So I, <laughs> you talk about luck or, or kind of things that helped me with, you know, figuring out what I should do with my life and um, was able to be an interim head coach that year. We had um, a big recruiting class. That was my first recruiting class that ended up going and winning the league, but they were freshmen at the time. Uh, and then we had two transfer seniors. <laughs> so we oh. had about a nine, we had a 10-guy rotation. Nine of them were new, um, and I was a 25-year-old head coach. Um, and so that that was fun. We've got about five minutes uh, before we got to take our, our break, so I'll, I'll leave this question for you first, Andy, and then we'll take the break. We'll come back and let Matt answer it. But, so talk to me about maybe something you picked up 
specific at Ohio Dominican that you felt was really instructive for you going forward, what you picked up maybe early on as an assistant at Capital, and compare that to maybe what you learned in that one year as an interim head coach that really impacted you and prepared you for the head coaching role? Yeah, so Ohio Dominican was, uh, you know, I, I learned how hard that you had to you had to work as a coach. You know, and that's what I I figured out. You know, we were pulling long hours, we we're getting in at six a.m. conditioning, we were staying nine or ten at night, and and we were just really grinding and working hard. And and I figured, you know, if if you want to do this, you're going to have to work as hard as you did as a player. And is it you know, it's a different kind of hard physically and mentally, and then. Um, you know, so that was a great year. And then going into capital as a young head coach, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a, a whole different program. I've been at Ohio Western, Ohio Dominican and capital in three years. And I've seen, you know, three different program philosophies um, and, and learning under Damon, how he wants to run his program. Uh, and then being an interim head coach, you know, that, that goes back to, you know, being thrown into the fire and, and you know, try not to do everything yourself. You know, you, you're young and you want to be able to control so much and, you know, you need help. And that's what I learned ultimately, you know, as my years in interim. Well, and on top of that, you had to carry Golson's ass the whole year too. That couldn't have been easy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> he, he was, he was part-time working full-time hours just to, just to help me out. So I'm, I'm always in debt for him. Well, Auntie and I go back a long, long way. I met him right after I graduated high school and, Hell, he stood up with me at my first wedding, and I'll blame him for the divorce then, since he was there. And and <laughs> and I stood up with Sounds him. Right. I stood up with him when he married my cousin. So if that one goes south, I kind of got to take the heat on that one too. I think that, I think that makes us equal. I think that makes us even. So, um, so Matt, we we got a little bit here. I, I, I'll if we have to cut it short, I'll tell you. But so you you go from making the decision that you want to chase full-time coaching to, as you said, living in a closet in, in Memphis, I'm assuming Beale street still took your money if you wanted to give it. Um, and, and, and you find your way to the metropolis that is eight Ohio and, and, and work at Ohio Northern and, and spend three years, you know, working in that program. And, and I can vouch for how hard you work because I was around quite a bit. Um, talk a little bit about the, the things that you took away from those stops and, 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 what maybe impacted you and prepared you for where you are now? Yeah, again, the common theme with with all those stops is I can work for three different coaching philosophy or three different coaches that had different philosophies, different personalities, uh, different approaches, but all really good men. So I, I'm just very fortunate to be with three really good teachers and men. And guys that I really consider mentors. Uh, the first, again, I kind of mentioned Coach Galoni. Uh, again, just the way he ran his program, and he had such a deep love for his players that went beyond the game. You know, really intentional about the holistic development of his guys with, you know, leadership breakdown, uh, bringing speakers, you know, one-on-one talks that had nothing to do with basketball. So being able to see that and be around that was huge for my growth. And again, I'm forever indebted to Coach Deloney as well. He he went out of his way to really help me improve as a coach. Um, And if you know Coach, he is is relentless at working on his craft. People at Denison knew that if you go in Coach's office, one of of his uh, sides of his office is just filled with books, you know, a huge bookshelf. So even at 60 years old, he was constantly looking – for ways to improve and get better. And so to see that 
just seeing him live it, it meant, you know, meant so much to me and something I still try to carry to this day. Uh, and then Coach Mike DeGeorge was now at Colorado Mesa, Division II coach. He was completely different in, in the sense that he was trying to, trying to do his best to think outside the box. Um, you know, really good tactician and really good teacher of the game. And you know, someone that would try to mix up zones and, and play at a different pace than the other teams. So it was beneficial to kind of be around him because he was so different than Coach Colonia X's nose wise. And then Coach Rich Benzman, again, was very fortunate to get that position at High Northern. Um, it came open and, you know, I, I literally called him because uh, Andy, you know, reached out to him and, and, and got the position. And under Coach, and John, you can. You can say this too. Again, he is just dedicated to the game, lives it and breathes it 24 7. You know, saw that he has such a great, uncanny ability to have like the pulse of his team, knew when to use humor for certain guys to kind of get the best out of them, also knew when to kind of get on guys. Um, and so just had a really good sense for, for players. So, you know, those three guys, again, the common theme is the ability to kind of really impact players and use the game as you know, a vehicle to teach life lessons. Well, a, a big part of the reason why I, I said what I said at the start of this podcast is I believe if anybody chooses coaching as a profession, you, you are guaranteed to have a unique journey. Um, and, and the cold hard truth of that is not every learning experience is, is one that feels beneficial while you're going through it. And, and you guys have both expressed some things that you had to deal with in your process that probably why you were going through, it wasn't very beneficial or didn't feel like it was very beneficial. But I also hear very clearly from you guys that whether it was who you played for in college or, you know, experiencing a coaching change or, or, or it's the people that you work for on your journey, um, there was something valuable to be gained from each of those experiences. And the unique part of that for me, when I talk to you guys is, I don't think you had any way necessarily of knowing that it was preparing the two of you to work together. So we're going to take our break. And then after our break, I want to spend a, a lot of our, our next 30 minute segment talking about what you guys are getting to do coaching on the same staff as brothers. So let's, let's take a short break. We'll come right back and pick up right there. Welcome back to the talking hoops podcast. I'm coach John cook. My guests today are Andy and Matt winners, the head coach and assistant coach at Otterbein. University in Westerville, Ohio, just outside Columbus. Um, we had said right before the break that you guys had been fortunate to be engaged in experiences that were really educational, if even they didn't necessarily feel beneficial when you were going through them. But the stops you guys had uh, were, I guess what, what I shouldn't be surprised to say is they were, there was a variation, a great variation in the types of people that you worked for, that you worked with, and, and the philosophies and the programs that you were a part of, but you you get the opportunity then uh, when the head coaching job opens at Otterbein, and, and Andy, you're right there as an assistant at Capital. You're basically right next door, um, and, and so you, you chase that opportunity. Talk a little bit, if you would, about the process of going through that, because I think most of our listeners, if they're real junkies, they get it, but a lot of our listeners may not understand just how competitive Division Three head coaching openings are yeah you know that that was something you know being damon had talked about uh when i was at capital is is you know otterbein opened up and um you know, i think the last application had over 300 some uh when, when coach oiler got it and then uh this last application i think had a hundred some uh when i applied for it um so 
you know, it, it's it's extremely competitive. You know, having I think a, a year of head coaching experience uh, helped. Um, and, and going through that whole process, we were still in the NCAA tournament when I got a call um, about it. And so, you know, we were uh, in Augustana playing second rounds. They were hosting, um, and and I was in the hotel room talking about, you know, okay, when when our season was done, um, you know, whenever that was. Um, to get to campus or start my Skype interview and then hopefully get to campus. So, um, you know, it, it's funny, John, that I, I against, you know, you got to make yourself what, what stands out. Right. And, and so, um, going for positions that, that I think I had a legitimate chance at Otterbein was one because of, you know, my, my background from, you know, playing, you know, in Delaware, just outside Columbus, coaching at division two and a division three school, you know, in Columbus, you know, ones in the conference and, and knowing the OAC and knowing Otterbein's rich tradition and, you know, the final fours they've had in the 80s and 90s, the national championship they had in 02. So, um, you know, it, it just felt right. Um, and then so going through that process, um, you know, we started out with a Skype interview and I think there was, you know, nine or 10 of us that got Skyped and then they narrowed it down to an on-campus um, I believe they brought on five for the on-campus. Um, and, and so going through that process, I will tell you this, you know, I, that was the first head coaching job that I had interviewed for. Um, and so getting organized, you know, you, you have all the thoughts in your mind as an assistant. And, and you know, as an assistant, you're, you know, you, you're, you're not really the final say, right? You're suggesting ideas and you're doing all this stuff. So you always think you know a lot more than you do. So you know, getting all of that stuff on paper, being able to articulate it, you know, talk about what you were going to do was the most important part for me. Um, you know, putting all of my experiences down on paper and being able to show them and speak about it and, and talk about the, you know, uh, coming into a program like Otterbein, who's, you know, the most successful program in the conference, you know, and, and so following a guy like Coach Reynolds, you know, 10 years ago and, and talking about, um, you know, I, I've been there before, right? And you know, I talked about how Dominican struggling my first year, Otter, uh, Capital struggling my first year and being able to turn those programs around and, and being a part of rebuilding something. Um, and, and so that was something that was important for me as I was going into this position, you know, showing them that I'm ready for, for the job. And, and again, I, I think, you know, by and large, I'm sure when you're in the midst of going through that, it feels like, my God, this is highly competitive and, and you don't have a real feel for what the outcome might be. I can just tell you from the outside looking in, I didn't I didn't have a conversation for two weeks leading up to that that they didn't say, well, Andy's getting the job. So if you'd have called me in the middle of the process, I'd have told you to chill out and relax your shoe in. <laughs> I would have helped a little bit, yeah. Because <laughs> that, that was every conversation I had for a couple of weeks. But I did have one conversation during that time, Matthew, that you might remember. Because and we don't have to get into too many specifics, except to say this, that I had left my son's high school tournament game in Coldwater, Ohio, and was driving back to the Lima area to try to catch another high school game for whatever reason. And you and I had a, a pretty in-depth conversation right before things went down with Otterbein opening up. And I don't think I'm sharing any state secrets here when I say that living the coach's life as a single male in Ada, Ohio, might be the loneliest existence on the planet Earth. <laughs> Um, and, and, and you were, you were in, you were in a difficult spot. I mean, you know, to, to have invested the time you had in college coaching and to be wanting some opportunities that, that maybe weren't coming just yet. And to be involved in, like I said, a, a lifestyle where you'd grown up in the Columbus area and you'd been to some other places, 
you, you were struggling a little bit uh, with, with what your future might hold. And uh, talk a little bit, if you would, about the timing of everything happening the way that it did uh, when Autobine opened up. Yeah, so, again, I, I definitely want to make sure that I'm very, very grateful for my time at High Northern. Spent you know, three great years there. Uh, unbelievable university. Had the fortune, uh, opportunity to, to coach really, really good players. Um, but, you know, John, like you mentioned, kind of reached out to you because going in my, you know, that spring in my third year just was, you know, looking for a little bit more balance in my life, you know, as, as an assistant, you know, the, the time you spend on the road recruiting um, during the year, it, it, it's constant, you know, it, it just never ends. And so, you know, being, being, living in Ada, Ohio, um, it's just, there's just not much for, you know, a young 30 year old. So having the opportunity that, you know, when Andy got the job at Otterbein to come back to Columbus where I'm from, um, you know, being able to be on his staff, working for him, you know, was an opportunity that we always kind of joked about. You know, Andy, Andy and I always said, like, how awesome would it be if we had an opportunity to work together? And so when he actually got the job, you know, it was it was it was really special. I mean, I was so happy for him. And for me, too, I mean, it was, you know, he said right away, listen, man, if I get this job, I want you coming on my staff. So. You know, it was a win for both of us. You know, I, I love my time at High Northern, but to be able to come back home um, with friends and family so close in a city that I love, you know, that's the world to me. Well, I'm sure it did. And before we get into your 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 first season together uh, at Otterbein, I want I want to talk and maybe give both of you a chance. And Matt, I'll, I'll start with you, and then give Andy a chance to answer this as well. Talk a little bit, if you would, about what it was like when you were the top assistant at two programs in the same league playing twice a year, having to prepare for one another. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, to be honest, it was fun. Now the first two years me and Andy were going head to head, you know, I had the bragging rights. We looked up on him. We were four and oh, and you know, we beat a couple of his capital teams you now by quite a bit. And so I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, we were, we were doing a pretty good job. It wasn't until the, my final year at Northern and Eddie's you know, final year at Capitol where, you know, you had Austin Shrek and a really good senior class where they, you know, they had some revenge and kind of put it to us and probably beat us by a combined hundred points in both those games. So for me and Andy can speak on this too. Like that was a lot of fun for me. I didn't get to see Andy a whole bunch throughout the season. We were so busy. And so just seeing him, you know, face to face, it was, it was kind of cool. And, it's different as assistants. I think if we were head coaches going head to head, it would have been a lot more pressure and more stress. But um, you know, it's just different as assistants. Again, you can sleep at night as an assistant if you lose. As a head coach, not so much. So for me, it was great. I mean, we were super competitive. Jeff Coleman, you know, the former Olympic coach, used to always joke about you know giving Andy a box score during Christmas after we beat him. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure if Andy enjoyed it as much. He probably did this last year, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was super fun for us and our family. Yeah, John, I'll tell you, I, you know, we, we didn't forget those first two years going into that third year when we had a, a nice capital team. So I will say that. I'll correct Matt. That, that was something that was special to me to get him back for all these years. But, you know, I, we didn't, Matt and I didn't talk a whole bunch during the season. You know, we, we would talk, but it, but it was, you know, Matt, Matt, right. You're so caught up in the season. You're so caught up in, you know, you're recruiting or you're, um, you know, doing skill development. You're working on, you know, scouting reports and, 
And so it was great when we got to see each other because, you know, you got to catch up, but you didn't want to give them too much, right? You know, you're, you're, it's that balance of like, hey, how you doing? Good, but we're about to play again in 20 minutes. So um, it, it was unique and it was fun. It was special. I know our parents loved it because they got to go to one game for that night. Um, and that was nice. But, you know, to Matt's point, we, we're two competitive people. And, um, you know, being in a great league like the OEC and seeing Ohio Northern succeed after they had beat us twice those years and then, you know, seeing, you know, them get to the conference finals that one year and pulling for them and pulling because I know how hard Matt works. And then, you know, I'm sure vice versa for, you know, Matt when uh, we were playing in the conference tournament and getting into the NCAA. So, um, it's special. It's it's definitely something that you know we're just two competitive guys that we tried to leave it at home, I guess, or at work once we once we got home for Christmas and all that. And we had a great relationship, so it all worked out. Well, it, it's it still boggles my mind. I mean, I have an identical twin brother, and we both were were in coaching for a while, and and he you know he opted ultimately to get out of it, but. We, we went head to head as JV coaches and, and, and it was unbelievable. Like we could, we lived together and I had to move out for two weeks and then he beat my ass at the buzzer and I couldn't come home for two more days. And, and it just, it's just going head to head. It did, it did give me the idea that, man, if, if we could have just done this together one time, if we could have just done this together, it would have been a lot of fun. Now I, I've got to say this, looking back on it, if my brother and I would have coached together, it's likely that there would have been a major incident on the sidelines during a game. We, we probably we probably wouldn't have handled things particularly well because when we were when he was coaching, we were awfully young. But when you guys know, and it took a while to work itself out, you know, before this last season, that, that spring and summer was not a, not a real easy time to get all the, the details ironed out. But once it's settled and, and you guys know you're going to be doing this together, uh, Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. Talk a little bit about what it was like to kind of have a real vision of what you wanted to do with your program and still kind of building a philosophy together with your brother. Yeah, so, you know, going through the whole interview process, you know, I, constantly bouncing ideas off off Matt and my dad about, you know, creating our own, our own program. And, and this was, you know, just going through the process. This is them being a brother and, and a family and support and, and you know, questioning me making sure i'm ready for these interviews so it was nice to have matt to bounce off ideas to start this whole process um and then ultimately you know going back on you know who knows me better than than matt right so like he, he was you know obviously from playing in high school to, to watching me on high wesson and you know he was coaching at Tennyson, competing against them and then know how Dominican and, and, and at Capital, I was able to always share those moments with them, talk about different things, stuff I like, stuff I didn't like. Um, and, and so it was really good because now you have somebody and ultimately, you know, as an assistant coach, somebody who, who understands what, you know, what are your strengths as a head coach, you know? And so as we were building our philosophy, we're, we're both very similar, John, and the fact that we want to love and, and challenge the players that we have while leading them to their full potential, you know, not, not just as basketball players, but as students, as people, you know, it's extremely important, you know, that we're recruiting those type of, those type of players that we can develop, you know, developing them, doing different leadership councils, you know, working on, you know, internships for them as a student. And then ultimately, you know, as a player developing them and having the same philosophy of why we got into coaching, you know, and what we wanted to get out of coaching. You know, it, it, my dad always says it's best. Our dad always talks about, you know, if you're a coach, you're a teacher, you know. And, and so um, having a similar 
value um, of why we got into it has helped. And, and then, you know, through all that, you know, Matt was able to help, you know, me find out what, what, what are my core values that I want in a program? Um, and, and we, you know, we talk about this with our guys all the time, you know, our first one's tireless work ethic, you know, and selfless environments, our second one, our third one's competitive greatness, but, but we got all those, you know, through, you know, experiences, um, and, and how we are able to put our, what, what was most important to us into a program to make, you know, our student athletes successful, not just on the court, but for the rest of their life. So, um, it, it was awesome. It was an unbelievable experience. I, you know, I, I don't think. I would be as prepared to be a coach if it wasn't for Matt and being able to bounce ideas off him and give him feedback and input. So um, now, ultimately, now he's on staff, which is even better because he knows it in and out just like I do. So it's not reteaching, you know, somebody else what, what our mission statement is, what our core, you know, values are. And, and so it's been un, it's been an unbelievable experience. I know it's helped us as a program get ahead quicker um, as far as our environment and our standards. Well, and, and Andy, you just said something that, that rings true to me because I think we went through a time period in our society when everybody thought they had to have a mission statement and it lost some value because there were mission statements that didn't have a lot of meaning. But I spent some time working right. working for Michelle Duran when she was the women's coach at Northern and she was a huge believer in having a mission statement and having core values. And, and what made her a huge believer in it was that she she actually was going to use it every day. It was going to be an operational part of creating her program. And I, I can't tell you how much I value that. And I, I say that because if I'm being gut level honest, I'm a little surprised that there are there are there are more programs out there that don't have those things or don't talk about them. Um, in, in the way that you just did. Actually, you've got me already ready to do another one hour podcast, just getting into what your core values are, because what you, what you, what I heard got me kind of excited. I think it's really interesting. Uh, Matt, the question I have for you kind of off of that one is you guys have both mentioned in all of your experiences, learning some things, but, but you've, you've kind of in no uncertain terms, made it clear that you learned some things that you didn't want to do too. Uh, when you came together to be on the same staff, was there a time period of conversation of this definitely isn't going to be us. We're going to make sure we keep, and I don't need specifics of what that is, but was there some conversation about what we want to make sure we keep away from our program? Yeah, I think for both of us, you know, our first priority coming in was to develop relationships with the current players. I think their staffs to when they first get hired, you know, it's kind of like, hey, let's wait till we get our guys in. And me and Andy, both from the onset, we're like, no, we're not. That's not going to be the mindset. Like, we're these are guys that we chose, and it's our duty to help develop and work with the guys we have in our team every day, and not wait for the guys that you know we're going to bring in. And so for us, it was, it, we're, we're going to be maniacal about certain things within the program. You know, whether that's body language, energy, and enthusiasm. You know, how players communicate with not only each other but with the staff, you know, how to handle adversity. Like those are things that we're going to pour our energy in and we're going to fight for every day. So it was more just kind of reaffirming certain things, um, certain points that, hey, this is what we are. This is what we're about. This is what we believe in. I I think that's a great answer. And again, you said something that struck a chord with me because I'm just a big believer in, in this this notion that it was very popular for a long time that the, the quote unquote experts would say it takes four to seven years to change a culture. 
And I want to say, oh, that's horse bleep. Coaches don't have that much time to change a culture. (laughs) If you're going to need four to seven years, you're going to be looking for another job in some cases if you don't get the culture changed. And and so, and again, from the outside looking in, uh, just me, you know, spending this year on the staff at ONU and, and, and having to compete with you guys twice, maybe you've already evaluated some things and maybe you feel like I'm, I'm off my rocker when I say this because I wasn't there every day, but I want, I'm going to ask you a question I'm, and, and I'm basing the question off what I saw occur with, you had a different basketball team in February than you had in December. And in my estimation, a markedly different basketball team with the same personnel and the same approach X's and O's wise, but you had a very different team. So talk to me if you will. And, and, and you, you can say, I guess, and if you want to go first, Matt, you can chime in if you have anything to add. You're trying to create an identity of Otterbein basketball. Talk about the process of that during this year and when you saw or felt that the things you wanted to see happen and were happening. Well, you know, so a little bit, previous to the season so going into that spring when I first got the position I, I was actually the strength and conditioning coach for uh, capital athletics so I was a head strength and conditioning coach so I was able to work with athletes so coming into the spring you know that that was huge for for me and and for the program you know Matt, Matt hit it hit it right on the head when he talked about you know we're re-recruiting the players that are on the team that are returning you know we're re-recruiting them into our program you know, at Otterbein, and, and, you know, we, we are just establishing what our standards, what our expectations are, um, how our environment's going to look, you know. And, and so going into that spring, we did the same thing going into the fall. You know, our summer, we had our strength conditioning packets, our expectations, you know, and, and then being able to work with them the first practice of October 15th with a basketball, um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of learning from coaches too, right? Like, you know, we, going through that whole process beginning of the season, you know, trying to figure out how much we should be putting in, how, how simple we should be um, from a you know schematic standpoint. But, you know, Matt and I constantly harped on, you know, everyday process and, and like, you know, the results are what they are. And, and, and don't get me wrong, th- those affect us. And, and as much as we want to say they don't, you know, that there's a winner and a loser after every game. And so you know about it. You know, but being able to work through that in practice, being able to show, you know, and we talked about our core values. Like, if you buy into that, and you actually know what they mean and the and, and what they stand for. You know, every single day you're working to get better. By the time you know you talked about playing you guys a second time, you know, we all we had done was continue to work and, and continue to get better. You know, change. You know, we we tweaked some stuff as far as. You know, and it's probably, you know, it is my fault. You know, we put in too much stuff at first, you know, being a younger head coach and you know, we're rushing through things. And we probably have 10 years worth of stuff in, in three weeks because, you know, <laughs> getting a, getting the first game in early November. Now it's November 8th or whatever, as opposed to the 15th. So, um, you know, learning as coaches as well in that first, you know, beginning of the season and then, you know, starting to mold. And, and, and you're right, you hit it right on the head as, as we started to, go throughout the season and, and make the uh, OAC tournament for the first time in you know eight or nine years that that was crucial for us because they saw success with it too um you know it's tough to you know go through that whole process and give everything you have without any results 
even though we preach, you know, don't worry about the results every single day and just do do your best and that stuff takes care of itself. But it's great to see those results and, and see kind of that winning streak that we had when we played you guys. Um, our guys were able, were able to buy in even more, if that makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, Matt, anything that you would like to weigh in on? Yeah, I just and I would add to, you know, just to kind of highlight Andy and two other guys we have on staff, AJ Dixon and Will Hannah, who are both capital players um, who are assistant coaches with us. Like those, like these guys bring it every single day. So as a player, as when, you know, you walk into practice and you see your coaches are putting that sweat equity in and are, and are working just as hard and are buying in, you know, as much as as Andy is. Like it, I think it helps the buy-in for the players to see that the staff is totally aligned. We're singing the same tune, and you know, I think that helps the progression throughout the year. You know, there's total buy-in from the staff and we're there again, just to help these guys get better. Uh, That's outstanding stuff, fellas. It really is. I I think there's a lot for people to pick up on and and learn from what you guys have have experienced. And we've got maybe about seven or so minutes left. I've got just one final question. You can both take a shot at it and I don't care who goes first. Uh, You're, you're coaching together. It's a dream come true, but you're still brothers and you still got a life outside of the gym and being that this sport is what it is, talk to me a little bit, if you will, about how or if you're able to leave it at the office and, and still just be brothers when it, when when that's called for. Go ahead, Matt. Um, I mean, so here's the thing. I mean, it it was a little bit of a learning process for I think the both of us this first year. Um, but it, it kind of comes back to it comes back to I get to work with my best friend and. You know, someone I genuinely love and care about and have complete trust in. So we're again there's there was times throughout this this season where we had some some arguments and some tough conversations, but like it, it really comes down to I know he's got my back, he knows I have his back. And so, you know, after a game or even after a tough practice, like I think was I think I think we improved throughout the year just kind of like saying, you know what, we can leave it there. And we can get it, kind of get back to ribbing each other or joking with each other. So I, I, it was definitely a balancing act at first, and something that I, you know I, I need to do a better job with because you know it, it is hard to kind of flip that switch back and forth. But ultimately, it, you know, it, it comes down to working with someone that you love and care about, and so it, you know, it, it was really special. Yeah, you, as you know, I'm reflecting on the season, John. As you were talking, that's why I made Matt speak first. But you know. Matt's right. I mean, we have different conversations, um, and and when you when you have guys that are like Matt who are completely bought in, you know, and, and I'm sure Matt doesn't agree with some of the stuff that we're doing, but but he's you know he, he's as selfless as they come. So he wants what's best for our program. He wants what's best for our university, um, and, and so it's you know it was unique first, but now it's 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 you know how it should be, and it's I don't know if there is a you know, leave it at the office with us. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing because we, we love what we do. We, we, you know, we enjoy it so much. Like, you know, Matt hit it right on the head too about being with your best friend. Like we get to talk about this stuff all the time. Um, you know, you go, you go over to your family cookout, we're talking basketball and, and we do that because we love it. And, you know, what better way to have an assistant your program that that has your back no matter what that's loyal that's selfless that's you know 
who's I'm telling you, he's he's going to be a better head coach than I'll ever be. Um, and and but be able to bounce ideas off of him all the time. So um, that's what I love about it is having a having Matt as the assistant is. You know, we love it so much that there is really no office. It's it's all the time, and and I couldn't be happier being that way. And I'm sure it drives Matt crazy sometimes, but you know, it, it's it's the best part of of being on a staff together. Well, I, I can tell you this: I, I think losing your top assistant is really difficult for any head coach in any sport at any time. Uh, Andy, I hope you lose your top assistant soon because I want to see Matt become a head coach. I think he deserves it, right. and I think he'd be exceptional. But time time is going to get cut us short now, so I'm going to be left off with not getting to ask the one question that I wanted to ask. We'll just kind of leave it here, and then I've got one more statement. What I what I had thought about asking was that it's typical that when you're an assistant, you very very frequently have the thought of, you know, GD, this guy's hard to work for. And, and and then when you become a head coach, you look in the mirror and you say, oh, damn, I bet I'm hard to work for. And and, and so I, I'm, I would just we don't have time for the answer, but I'll let you guys kind of mull that one over. If How much we're experiencing that uh, right now, that, that's got to be a little bit of a, of a deal thing to deal with. But the other thing is, and I say this at the end of every podcast, if you listen to any of them, you've already heard it. If you haven't listened to anything, this will be your surprise, because I only have one rule on this podcast, and that is that the uh, the guests have to give the host a T-shirt. <laughs> so I won't make you send it to me. I'll come catch a practice. I, I'm a large right now. And if we don't get quarantine over with soon, I'm going to be an extra large, but you, you, you can hold me a large Otterbein basketball t-shirt. And, uh, because I'm a little bit of a free agent th- this winter, Otterbein's got a big fan up here living near Ada. Uh, I'm going to be pulling for you guys and, and hoping like hell that, that things go well. Um, and, and the good news is after doing this for an hour, I've, I've, I've learned, I feel confident in saying this, that if the coaching gig don't work out for you two, the three of us should do a podcast together. It'd be a hell of a good time every week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, I'll say this with, with the shirt as, as long as you, you know, after you get another job or whatever you're doing next, man, you got to continue to wear it and support. I, I will wear it with pride now, and I'm gonna tell you, I, I I will I will get one during practice, and I will show up at a game wearing the shirt, and and I will I will absolutely do that. I probably won't wear it when I go watch my wife coach the cheerleaders at Northern this winter. I I'm not a very bright guy, but I have picked up on that might be a bad idea. So, listen, fellas, I we, we I'm gonna wrap it up just because I think I told you I'd keep it under an hour if I could. It was an absolute blast. Uh, you're gonna get crazy busy. But that won't stop me from asking you to do this again sometime because I do think it was a hell of a lot of fun. I think there was a lot of good for people here. And we didn't even really get to get into X's and O's, which I would look forward to talking with both of you guys about. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate you doing a great thing. Me and Matt talk about your podcast all the time, what you're doing for, for hoops coaches everywhere. So we appreciate it being on. Thanks so much. And, and, thanks, John. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks so much. And we'll, we'll catch up again soon, I promise. See you. Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash John-Cook. That's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0. 
anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon.